Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I am visiting with Yermiyahu Aaron Taub. Yermiyahu is a poet, writer, and Yiddish literary translator. He is the author of two books of fiction, Beloved Comrades, a novel in stories, and Prodigal Children in the House of God stories, and six volumes of poetry including A Mouse Among Tottering Skyscrapers, Selected Yiddish Poems, and the recent award-winning translation from the Yiddish, Dina, an autobiographical novel. His latest translation is the newly released Blessed Hands by Fruma Halpern. Yermayahu is also an alum of the Yiddish Book Center's Translation Fellowship and a recipient of the Center's Translation Prize. Welcome. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's great to be here with you. Great to have you back as always, and even better to have another one of your translations in hand. Honestly, you're just a magnificent translator. Thank you so um, much. And congratulations on your latest translation. Um, and that is uh, the Blessed Hand Stories, Fruma Halpern, um, which we're here to talk about. So tell me, if you would, a little bit about Fruma and how you found your way to this collection of work and a bit about her life and work. I actually think um, I got my copy from the Yiddish Book Center of Gebench de Hent, the Yiddish original, fittingly. Um, I think I had come across her stories. Several of her stories have been translated already um, in different anthologies. I think I first saw her work in one by Joachim Neugrishel. Um, One of the, her stories had been translated, um, I think, Dog Breath, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and ever since then, um, and several are also in um, the uh, collection edited by Ria Tregobov, um, Arguing with the Storm, um, and which came out, I'm going to say, in the mid-2000s, 2008-ish. And ever since, and then I just said, you know what, let me check out this writer who um, I hadn't heard of before. And so um, I started reading her work and was instantly hooked, um, drawn in by her vision, by her the her voice, um, which is both tender and dispassionate. Um, it's very uh, empathic, um, but also very rigorous. And I found myself drawn in. Um, by her uh, her style, her writing style, which has sort of moments of lyricism in it, um, and also her subject matter, where which is focused on people who are marginalized, essentially, in a lot of different ways, um, whether it's by class, whether it's by race, um, sort of physical condition, people who are ill or sort of becoming ill. Um, there's a story about someone who is losing his hearing. Um, there are stories set in hospitals, um, which gets to the question of more about Firma because she herself worked in the Bronx hospital um, as a massage therapist and um, was clearly very in tune to the kind of energies of hospitals. Um, so there are a number of stories about people grappling with illness and physical conditions, disabilities of various kinds. There's a story about two blind people falling in love, 
um, which is incredibly moving and powerful. So yeah, that's a little bit about um, her stories, how I came to them. From herself, um, I started digging. Um, I was able to connect with some family members, um, two of her grandsons, um, and also the wife of one of the grandsons, all of whom knew Firma uh, quite well. And they were generous enough to share their knowledge of her with me. And that was really wonderful. Um, so we think um, she was born in the Bialystok area, uh, which was then part of the Russian Empire. Um, but I haven't been able to actually find, you know, the the place where she was born. She definitely emigrated from Bialystok to the U.S. because that's on um, the ship manifest form. You know, last place of residence was Bialystok. Um, you know, and that's part of the work of, uh, you know, as you know, you know, working with Yiddish writers is the question of, you know, uncovering and searching and genealogy and just going through. <laughs> um, I think I probably could have, um, if I had maybe spent even more time <laughs> than I already did, I may have been, or hired a master genealogist, I might have been able to nail down the shtetl or the place. Um her gravestone says 1885 as a place of birth, but there are other dates also given. Um, and she died in 1965. Um, she emigrated turn of the century period. I forget the exact year. I'm going to have to look that up. Maybe 1904-ish. Um, and she had uh, a number of siblings, um, some of whom I've connected, some of whose offspring, descendants, I connected with as well. Um, she worked in the um, workshops slash factories slash sweatshops. Um, her granddaughter-in-law had heard that she had studied to be a nurse in the old country. And because of the language barrier, et cetera, she became a massage therapist when she moved to the U.S. Um, she kind of transitioned into that. So yeah, that's that's a bit about Firma. Um, she was her work was championed by a number of leftists, uh, Yiddish editors, etc. It appeared in the Morgen Freiheit, uh, which was affiliated then with which was affiliated with the communist movement, um, and uh, Zamlunken, kind of an off an off print or a literary zine connected to that movement. Um, and she was part of a literary club in the Bronx. Um, so yeah, she was definitely like anchored in a leftist movement that supported her writing. Um, and then before her death, a group of admirers came together to pool resources to put out Gebench to Hand, the Yiddish language original. Um, and she, she notes that in her thank you, she said, you know, if not for them, these stories would have lied in yellowing newspapers. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't have known about, or maybe someone would, have, it would have been much harder to discover from yeah. a helper if they hadn't done that amazing work. How late into her life did she write? So I don't know exactly. She talks about how, um, you know, most of the stories, the book came out in 63, I think. Um, and most of the stories um, 
she mentions had been published in the previous several decades. I don't know how long. One of them seems pretty recent. Like one of them feels like a goodbye to the world. Um, one of the stories towards the end. So that might have been written later. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Her daughter-in-law remembers her uh, typewriter, like always being out in her desk. You know, it was never like put away. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, she was deeply connected to her writing. So possibly, you know, late into her life. I found it interesting the way she writes her characters and um it seemed to me as a reader and I can only take away my experience reading these stories which are really an amazing collection she seems to set the scene and then bring the reader into the world as it were of the character and it's sort of um the internal world is what I'm referring to and she kind of reveals both a physical space for them and also a mental space and I wonder if you could speak about that you know you may or may not agree with that takeaway oh absolutely i totally agree i think a lot of these stories are more character driven than plot driven um they're sort of snapshots slice of life portraits um place is really important as you know kind of um the physical location of not so much like what street or what city or what neighborhood because those are often absence but like you know the sort of apartment or the streetscape or um all of that is central but she is she does seem to me um as you seem to be alluding um to be centrally concerned with the internal world of her characters who they are their backstory what drove them or suggesting what drove them to do the kinds of things they do, um, helping the reader understand their world. Um, so for example, in Hello Butch, where we meet um, the butcher who can never quite escape the fate that butchers had in the old world, um, occupying a very low place on the social scale, social ladder. Um, even in America, when he comes, um, he can't really escape it. Um, and then, you know, the children get connected to Butch too. Like they're, they're like, it's almost like Butch is like their last name. Um, and the social kind of opprobrium, um, is never shaken. Um, and he's the father so desperate for his son to move what he thinks is ahead. And of course the son kind of loves everything to do with the butcher shop so um yeah that's that's an amazing amazing story but yeah we move back to the old world there um there are a number of stories where um you know people's immigration status is revealed or like when they came to the country their immigration journey i should say when they came to the country and um how how they've made it so far um there's an incredible story um about two girls essentially starving themselves to death um in a public hospital ward clara mary so two girls from different backgrounds um 
and this is long before you know people talked about anorexia and um you know she's writing i mean the book came out in the early 60s but you know could presumably have been written decades before um and she's she's talking about some pretty pretty intense things and she goes into their backstories and how they might have become who they were and they they emerged like fully realized characters i think she's interested in taking the reader into a psychic world into a psychological uh landscape um and you know giving dignity also to people that aren't seen um, this isn't about the glamorous or, you know, because even even books that focus on social justice movements often talk about the charismatic leader or, you know, the outspoken voice or the great theoretician or, and she's not necessarily interested in those people at all. Um, even in, you know, marginal movements, she's interested in the marginalized um, and yeah, and there's a beautiful story um, about a character named Basha who comes alive politically, and the the story kind of traces her journey of political awakening in a very sort of gentle, kind of delicate way um, that isn't about you know this great crescendo. Um, it's more you know kind of kicking and screaming. And, kind of reluctant um and the the beginning sections of that story are so powerful even you know before her political awakening and she was destined to be one of those people who were ignored um she even was like ashamed of the space that she took up you know like that deep mm-hmm. self um denial abnegation um and then even at the end when she does have her you know, political way. There's a kind of uncertainty there, a kind of jarring, kind of dissonance, um, which is something I love about from Halpern's work is, you know, even she's clearly committed to social justice and social change, but even even in that commitment, there's uncertainty, there's doubt. She's concerned about the human condition that makes struggle, that makes the, the struggle for justice so difficult. It's it's interesting. You've hit on a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you about. And one is that my takeaway also was that she moves you from the present to the past and she draws from the past. She brings it into the place and into the present. And then it's just, she's very empathetic. Um, and she tells these stories and she builds these characters. I think it would be safe to say in a rather slow, but not terribly slow but you there's a reveal that takes place and and one of the stories i was you know really sort of i found really interesting was clara and mary um and it's somewhat abstract to me what's going on in the story but it's not abstract um in there and it just it's really such an interest she has a an amazing way of writing um which then I'm going to make this a very long-winded question, which is, um, you know, you've you've translated the work of Blue Malempel along with Ellen Cassidy, Ida Maza, um, and now Fruma. Very and strong- Bricks. Oh, that's right. Yep. Sorry about yep. that. Another one. Um, these are all very strong 
women writers. Um, and I wonder Fix is man, but Fix yeah. is a male, but yeah, yeah. yeah, that's why I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't realize you were going on the women writer. Question, that's okay. But yeah, but that's also uh, what. Uh, yeah, I still remember talking to you about that book um, in the midst mm. of the pandemic, and it was just, woof. um, you know, do you think that there is something that connects you to these? these writers in a way that yeah you want to become their their translator i think the task of taking on a translation project is so daunting and so labor intensive and so time consuming um that i think really really carefully about the projects i choose i think all translators would probably tell you that um you know this is a labor of love so it has to be a text that I'm really committed to. Um, there has to be, and I alluded to some of this earlier, you know, there has to be a connection in terms of this literary style, the voice. I have to think I can get, you know, I can get the voice in English. Um, there has to be a connection to the subject matter. So yeah, all and there has to be a kind of overall. I would say there has to be an emotional connection to the text, to the writer. Um, I need something to sustain me. It can't just be, you know. I think this person's a great writer, and so I want to translate them because of the intellectual challenges. Um, I need to have an emotional connection. It's just me. That might be more specific to me. Um, I have to feel like a kind of kinship. So I do feel a kinship with all those writers that you mentioned. Um, it is more than just an intellectual undertaking for me. It's kind of an emotional, spiritual total. Um, it's, you know, a deep commitment to get through those grueling, grueling, grueling days, years. Um, so yeah, I, I do I do feel like all these writers have those things. They're different things for each of them. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I would ask you that question, which I yeah, often do ask, was there one of these stories that really set you on the path? Oh, gosh, that would be hard. There's so many great ones. I think um, stories like uh, In the Garden of Eden about the the man who's kind of hovering between life and death. It's just an incredible portrait. It's just brilliant, absolutely beautiful. I think Susan Flesher, mm -hmm. um, which is about this kind of chance encounter uh, between the son of this magnet, uh, you know, wealthy person, and this actress, uh, this this stage successful actress at one time. Um, who had been childhood friends and they just kind of meet and they're very different places in life that I thought was really incredible. Um, I think the mute mother will stand out to me as like some, you know, a story that really belongs in the Jewish short story canon. I just think it's an incredible, incredible story um, about a mute person who becomes a mother in very mysterious, unexplained circumstances, but presumably not great ones. Um, there, what else? What were some of the other ones? I think Clara Mary is up there. So yeah, these are some of the stories. Um, By My Mother's Sickbed, 
was an is incredible story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think also um, she tackled the question of race in a way which is very interesting, um, and kind of maybe not entirely unusual for Yiddish, but literature. But she, you know, there's a story about lynching, um, for example, which is really incredible and it, it gets at it through the character of the mother principally mm-hmm. um there are stories there's a story about um a cross-cultural friendship between a jewish woman and an african-american woman so she was i think race was really important to her and the question of equality and um inclusion ongoing racial there's a number there's a lot of stories that have leading african-american protagonists um and you know tony michaels in one of i think actually in a yiddish book center program talked about the importance of um the question you know the sort of equality for african-americans as a central uh program platform part of the program platform for communism in the u.s um, which is something this is not you know, not often talked about. So that's a whole other, you know, other question is to what degree was from a helper influenced uh, by that larger um, goal. Um, you know, we have a lot of questions um, in this act of excavation. I'm not, I don't want to say discovery because from a helper has been discovered, but just even just the excavation, there's a lot of conjecture and maybe someday we'll know um, but right now, this is kind of where where we are. Um, there's a lot to speculate about. Um, to what degree, you know, did she remain committed to that movement, um, et cetera, et cetera. You, you brought a lot to your writing of the afterword, by the way, um, which I'll confess if it's okay. I read before I read the stories. For some I just felt like it, it, it informed my reading a little bit. In a way. Yeah, yeah, I try to tease out a lot of those yeah. questions, um, and I go more deeply into what I, what I was able to discover, both about her life and about her intellectual mm-hmm. life, the whole question of influence, um, her importance in Yiddish literature. Um, it is an amazing contribution. Like it's one book, and it's really kind of a powerhouse um, achievement. And um, hoping yeah. that with this translation, you know, word will get out. And um, I did discover um, that there is there is a sort of from a Halpern super fan club. <laughs> as I was <laughs> as I was coming out um, with the translation, yes, yeah. we knew there are a lot of admirers. It 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 resonates in so many ways and it's a book I'm going to share with others um, because it really does prompt interesting conversations Um, really uh, hats off to you for bringing all this work out your once again, you know, you, you have a, a beautiful ability as a translator, as a literary translator, and also as a curator, if I may, in terms of, of the work, and um, they are lucky to have you as their translators, as we are, as those who cannot read it in the 
in the original. So thank you again for our listeners. Blessed Hands Stories, Fruma Halpern, translated by Jeremy Yahoo, Aaron Taub. It is published by Frayed Edge Press from Philadelphia, PA. You can find it at the Yiddish Book Center's online or on-site store, shop.yiddishbookcenter.org, or wherever you shop for books. But it's one that deserves a place um, next to the nightstand or on the nightstand, as it were. So thank you. Um, I won't ask you what you're working on because you may want to take a break for a month. So you may answer that question or not, but I hope you're working on something soon. Yes, definitely. And thank you so much for this opportunity, Lisa. And thank you for all that you do and all that the Yiddish Book Center does to sustain Yiddish culture and Yiddish culture and translation, which is so important. All things to do with Yiddish. So many thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And hope to see you, have you back again and read more of this. Again, Blessed Hand Stories from a Halpern, translated by Yermiyahu, Aaron Taub. Bye-bye for now. You have been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Elizabeth Carteropoli. Until next time, be well and be healthy.